We're so honored that you joined us for this week's message here at Hope Church in Kalispell, Montana. Our hope is that you will be encouraged and challenged in your relationship with Jesus. Be blessed as you listen to this week's message. Functional faith. What a good series this has been. It's been so helpful. It's one of those series that it gives you some handles. You know, like sometimes you walk away on, your, on a Sunday and you're inspired. And this series has been the best of both because it's, it'll inspire you. But it's also like, here's how you can grow in your relationship with Jesus. How do, here's how you put this stuff to practice. I've loved it. I've really benefited from it. Today we're going to wrap up this series called Functional Faith with a message that is about hearing God's will. How many of you would like to hear God's will? This is something that is a question you hear all the time in ministry. How do you know? How do you know what God is saying? How do you know what God's will is? And I just believe it's not as difficult as we make it out to be. God's speaking. So I'm ready to jump into it, but let's go ahead and pray. And let's invite the Spirit of God to have his way. And then we're going to pray for our nation as well. Jesus, we're so grateful for today, for this moment, for what you've done up to this point. We thank you that we got to celebrate new life in Jesus today. What a cool morning so far. God, we just pray that everything that has happened so far as it's brought us to this moment, now your word would accomplish what it is meant to do. We know that your word says your word never goes out and doesn't accomplish what it's meant to do, so we give it permission right now as a seed to be planted in our heart to begin to produce much fruit. And we we say when we leave today, we want to look more like you. We want to look more like Jesus, less like us, more like you. So have your way in these moments. I pray you help me as I preach. God, we do lift up our nation. This year, this, oh, this everything, Lord, everything that's happened this year has been confusing, frustrating. It's been devastating to some, but Lord, we just pray right now specifically for the spiritual temperature of our nation, for how it feels, for what's going on in the supernatural. There's so many things that we don't even recognize, but we know something is, something's happening. Something is going on. And if anything, this election has taught us we're in a divided nation. There are certain people that believe a certain way, others believe different ways. And even in the church, there's division. We just ask right now that ultimately the name of Jesus would be seen, that your name would be before any other name on our lips that you would be the confidence of our soul. Lord, that we, we make a decision right now as a church to put our trust in you, not in anything else. And even though there may be things that are happening politically that are not what we hoped or what we dreamed, and some of us, it's exactly like we hoped. But Lord, ultimately, we want your will to be done in this nation. So we pray for the heart of every leader, and we ask that you would turn the hearts of men. That's something only you can do, so we give it to you. Thank you for the privilege of voting, but there's so much more. We ask that you would do what only you can, touch the heart of every leader. And as a, as a church, as a body of Christ, I pray that we would stand as a light in a dark place. If anything's been revealed, it's that we do live among, in a dark place. So Lord, we just ask right now that we would be lights all over the place and that people would see our personal lives and they would see our witness and they would see Jesus alive in us and they would see their hope, our confidence is in you. It's not in anything else because you're eternal. So Lord, we put our faith and our trust in you, but we ask for revival in our nation and let it begin in me. Let it begin in us, every father, every mother, every household. Lord, it begins with us. It's a personal thing. And then let it spread. 
Lord, we just pray that it would light like a fire and that would be some kind of a, a, a fuel that would catch. Lord, you, deter, you determine the fuel, but we say light us on fire. So have your way in our nation, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, do you guys love the Word of God? Yeah. We're going to look at it today. Uh, we've got a couple of really, really unique stories that I believe are going to help us to see how God speaks. And I'm excited about this. This is one of the things that I'm passionate about whenever you see uh, the direction we're going. This, I'm, I'm going to get a little fired up today because it's something that, well, God's really convicted me about multiple times. But how do we hear the will of God? I was at a baseball game not that long ago, just a couple of years ago now in, in Baton Rouge. And uh, we come from Louisiana, from Baton Rouge, Louisiana. And if you know anything about college sports, you know we're not only the best football team in the planet for at least this year, uh, but uh, the SEC is like a huge deal in the South. Yeah, go Tigers. Come on, go Tigers. So the, uh, the SEC is massive in the South. We Actually, LSU is probably has a bigger fan base, at least in Baton Rouge, than even our NFL team, the Saints. So we're there, and we're just in a college town. We go to a baseball game one night, uh, and we are playing one of our rivals, Ole Miss. So Ole Miss comes to town, and we actually get tickets for the student section. Now, if you've ever been to a college game, you know the student section is not like other sections. It's different. It is going to be a unique experience. Um, so we're in the college, we're in the student section at this game, which happens to be on right field. And we noticed it didn't take long before all the students started heckling the right fielder. And this was heckling like I've never heard before because it was personal. They had gone on Facebook to find this guy that they knew was starting, they found his girlfriend, they found his mom, and they're calling them out by name, heckling this guy on the field. Now, I'm not proud of this, but it did help us. So um, it, was, uh, it was an interesting moment, interesting dynamic there, but they're heckling, they're heckling, they're saying stuff about his girlfriend, about, their, about his mom, the guy's like, stop it, you know, like, leave me alone. You can tell he's struggling. So the ball gets hit in his direction, he doesn't even notice it at first. By the time he notices it, he's scrambling and he runs for the ball. He drops the ball. He screws up the play because of all the noise, because of all the heckling, all the speaking into his life. And one of the things that I noticed, and I'll never forget about that moment, is I guarantee he would have played different if it had not been for that. And there's something about outside voices that have the potential to throw you off track and rob from the moment, from the job you're meant to do, right? And there is something the enemy has been speaking into your life that I believe is very similar. You have a purpose. If you walk through that door today, if you're listening online today, there is something you are on this earth for. You're not here by accident. There is a purpose on this planet for you. God's created for you. The Bible says he had a plan for you before you were born, before you were dreamt up, before you were anything, before you took your first breath. There was something that he had meant for you. And the enemy knows that. So he's going to do everything he can to throw you off course, to distract you from that purpose. So as we talk about hearing the will of God, one of the things we have to address is all of the other voices we're hearing. So you want to hear God's will. And if you want to hear God's will, there's no excuses. You can hear it. Open up the word of God. He's speaking through the word of God. It's a way you can hear from him all of the time. But there is something really special and we crave God speaking into our spirit in times of prayer. But it takes some intentionality to hearing God's will that way. John 10, 
Jesus says this about how we hear his voice. He says, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. Jesus seems to be saying there are going to be other voices competing for mine, and my voice has to be chosen above other voices. So you're going to hear my voice, you're going to listen and obey, but you have to make that decision because there's going to be something else vying for your attention. Now, the last 20 years have changed everything about our culture. I think our culture just generally where it is and what it is right now is one of the biggest distractions from hearing the will and the voice of God. So right now, we live in a very unique place. It's funny, over 20 years, we've seen so many different changes, and I'm, I'm going to share with you some of those in a moment. But do you realize that the iPhone was introduced only 13 years ago? 13 years ago. And I know some of you are like, well, that iPhone's older than me. There's a couple of young people in the room. But for us old people, like, I can't remember a time before the iPhone, okay? Look at the original iPhone, okay? The original iPhone was released 2007. Look at these amazing specs. Three and a half inch diagonal screen. 320 by 480 pixels. A two megapixel camera. <laughs> four gigabytes of storage. That's like one video. Um, $499. Or you can get the eight gigabyte version for $599 with a contract. Remember contracts? Everybody, yeah, that was the only way you could get one of these phones because you couldn't afford it. And these phones, it's amazing when you think about it. This thing, this device, and all the devices like it have fundamentally changed how we interact with humanity, with culture, with God, with the Bible. I mean, it's changed everything. I want to I take you on a little journey right now, starting in 1900. In 1900, the average person consumed about 16 newspapers worth of data in a lifetime. That's about a dozen books. By 1986, the average person received 40 newspapers of data daily. You know what happened? In 1980, 24-hour news was introduced. So now CNN is on all the time or whatever is on. Everybody's, now everybody got a news station. But it's like, there's all this news. There's all this input. And you watch and you're like, I gotta, I gotta know. I gotta be in the know. By 2011, after the internet, the average person received 170 newspapers of, da of data daily. By 2017, listen to this, the average person consumed 725 minutes of media daily. And if you break that down, it's about 12 minutes of magazines, 12 minutes of newspapers, uh, 16 minutes of newspapers, 87 minutes of radio or podcast, 137 minutes on your desktop, 187 minutes on your mobile device, 245 minutes of TV or Netflix. Are you still watching? 2.5 exabytes of data daily. Exabytes? What is an exabyte? Somebody was telling me, Elvis was telling me after, he was like, yeah, it's after, it's after pterodactyl bites. It's like way, you know, there's like multiple layers of all these bites. And I was like, I had no idea. It's blowing my mind. There's like way too many zeros to count. But two and a half exabytes of data daily, that's 231 terabytes a second of data that humanity consumes, which equals 530, 530 million songs, 150 million iPhones worth of data, 5 million laptops of data, 250 libraries of Congress a day, or 90 years of HD video per day consumed by humanity. We live in a culture with a lot of noise. There's a lot happening. There's a lot competing for your attention. And I think 
this is one of the most obvious things to address when we complain about, I have a hard time hearing from God. Because we don't, we're not hard of hearing. We hear a lot of stuff. We've got a lot of input. We're just not getting the right input. We've got so much stuff. And I'm all about media, and I, I love this stuff. I'm not trying to, like, you know, you need to boycott Apple or whatever. I, I love my Apple devices. But I'm saying there needs to be a change if we want to hear the will of God. It's crazy, like, how accustomed we've come to noise. Um, my wife's a singer, so she can't sleep at night with a fan blowing in the room. We can't have, like, a lot of airflow in the room, like, you know, other than just the air conditioning unit because it'll dry out her vocal cords, but we love the sound of a fan, so I'm not kidding you. On Amazon, we bought a machine that sounds like a fan. It's not a fan. You can put your hand by it, doesn't do anything, doesn't cool off the room, but it sounds like a fan, and it's like always running. We don't even turn it off during the day. It's just always running. It's just always this noise, and I cannot sleep without it. If I go to a hotel, I've got an app on my phone, that has a little fan on it, and I click it, and it spins. It doesn't blow anything at me, but it spins, and it sounds like a fan because I cannot listen to nothing. I can't go to sleep with nothing. I can't listen to my wife breathe. I can't, like, listen to the sheets moving. I can't hear the, the I can't hear, like, all these other little noises. The house is creaking. Like, I can't listen to that. I have to have noise. I can't have peace without noise. Now, I know you're like, you need help, and like, I'm trying to get help, like, you know, we're, we're going to get with Don and Beverly and talk about our marriage and all kind of stuff, you know, but like, I'm like, there's something wrong with that mindset. I can't even like rest without the opposite of rest, noise. That's the culture that we live in, though. We need noise, and there's been times when I drive to work. It's only 15 minutes, and I'm like, I got to have something on. I can't, like, drive out of my driveway. I'm, like, running into mailboxes trying to get a podcast on, and God's like, hey, hey can we talk for a second? Can, I just he can you just hear me for a second? And it's like there's so many things competing, and I hope this isn't just for me, but there are so many things competing for the voice of God. Listen to this. Since COVID, this year, okay, since COVID, the average daily TV viewing and streaming went from 275 minutes to 354 minutes. That's a 39% increase in online video watching, such as YouTube, 40% increase in TV and streaming, 29% increase in online news, which that's the most reliable, clearly, you know, online news. Um, every minute, listen, to every minute in 2020, DoorDash delivers 555 meals. I've been one, thank the Lord. Um, Zoom hosts 208,333 participants. Amazon ships 6,659 packages a minute. Facebook users upload 147,000 photos. YouTube users upload 500 hours of video, which by the way, people all across the world watch a billion hours of YouTube per day. We got a noisy culture. We live in a noisy culture, and I think it's good for us to look back at Scripture. It's so, it's so amazing how relevant Scripture is, because you're like, all this stuff changed, right? Like, like, Jesus didn't have to worry about noise, and the disciples didn't have to worry about all this noise. No, it's always been a strategy of the enemy. In Mark 1, there's this great 
moment that we find Jesus in the middle of his ministry. It says in verse 21, Jesus and his companions went to the town of Capernaum, and when the Sabbath day came, he went to the synagogue, he began to teach. He began to proclaim the gospel. It's what he's called to do. He's literally walking in the will of the Father at this moment. So the people were amazed at his teaching, for he taught with real authority, quite unlike the teachers of the religious law. Suddenly, a man in the synagogue who was possessed by an evil spirit cried out, Why are you interfering with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus reprimanded him. Be quiet. Come out of the man, he ordered. And what I love about this story is that Jesus is doing what we're all trying to do, follow the will of the Father, and in the middle of that, Satan rears his head to interrupt what Jesus was doing in the middle of that. So even Jesus was distracted or there was a potential distraction by the enemy. Do you know that when the Bible talks about Satan, we look at it on this side of all the writing as it's just his name, right? Satan, I don't really know where it came from, but Satan is a descriptor of who he is. It's a title of his character. And there are three major um, descriptors of, of Satan, which is what his name is. So even if, you, if you're writing it down, I had a friend who always said, I would never capitalize Satan. It's not his name. It's just a, it's who he is. And I thought that was kind of cool. But these are the descriptions of who Satan is. Obstructor, opposer, and adversary. Those are the three key definitions that define who he is. So... God is trying to speak his will to you. Satan is going to do whatever he can to oppose that voice, to be an adversary to that voice. Now, what is one of the greatest, if you have kids, you know, one of the greatest adversaries to your voice is louder noises. And that's exactly what Satan is going to do. He's going to constantly try to rear his head and speak louder than what God is speaking in the moment. And Jesus shut the devil up. He shut this demon up. And what's crazy about this story is that the demon, even though he's speaking, he seems to be saying good things. He calls Jesus by his name. He says he's the Holy One of God. He identifies him as the Messiah. And Jesus still shuts him up. Because even though something may seem like a good thing, it doesn't make it a God thing. And Jesus knew that his voice, even though it sounded like worship, it seemed like a good thing. Come on, let the praise come. Go ahead and say that thing. Jesus is like, you're stopping me from doing what I'm called to do. So we shut that thing up, even though it seemed like a good thing. I wonder what good thing is speaking louder than God's voice in your life today. I wonder if there's something that you've bought in and you've, you're like, man, this is a good thing. It's worth giving my life to. And it might be. But is it good enough to cloud the voice of God, to muffle out the voice of God? And Jesus has to make a decision. He's going to just shut that voice down. So I'm going to give you two things today to remember. First thing is this, if you're taking notes, clarity comes when you quiet the competition. Clarity comes when you quiet the competition. So since I'm from Louisiana, uh, we are not used to clear water. <laughs> Like, you could drink the water in your lake, apparently. Well, you guys probably wouldn't, but for us, it's like 
looks clean to me. <laughs> so, uh, but we come here and we're like, There's, the water's clear everywhere. It's amazing. We're used to like what is like, it's like affectionately known as like a Nesquik. You know, basically it's like chocolate milk. And we, I, I grew up and we'd ski in that water. And every now and then you'd see, I was in the water multiple times when I saw an alligator's head pop up in the water. Same body of water I'm in. And I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm kind of done. So let me just get, <laughs> but here there's no mysteries. Like there's no, you can see it all. And we're, we are kayaking in the whitefish lake one day after we'd gotten here, maybe a month or so, and I'm just, I'm just like in awe of the water. And you're like, newbie, right? And like, I was so impressed. I was like, I'm taking pictures of our day, you know, and the last picture I posted on Instagram was like just a picture of the water. Like it was just clear water. So I have a picture of that photo, and it's just like my paddle in the water. And I was like so impressed. And somebody from Montana was like, what is it? what's in the photo? Like, what are you looking at? What's it? I can't see it. Tell me what it is. And I'm like, it's my paddle. I've never seen my paddle before. <laughs> it's like, it's just clear. <laughs> Those are little things in life, right? But I was so impressed with clarity because I wasn't used to clarity. And if you can learn the quiet, the noise in your life, you'll be impressed by how easy it is to hear God's voice. The clarity will come and you'll be like, gosh, I was missing this. But you've got to make some changes in your life for that to happen. And man, some of the stuff I've done practically, you know, my Bible, I don't even know where my physical Bible is. It's like on a bookshelf because I read my Bible on my phone, on my iPad. I like to take notes, study from there. It's so much easier. But because of that, you've all experienced that. You're reading your Bible on the phone or whatever, and then like you get a text message. You're like, oh, Okay, let me just see what that is. Hold on, God, just for a sec. And it's so easy to get distracted. So one of the things I've done practically is I've taken off all social media notifications on my phone. I don't let Facebook or Instagram tell me that somebody posted a picture of a sandwich or anything. I'm just like, I'm good. I don't need to know all that. I'll go into it if I need to. It's in another folder on another page. It's not even on my main page. I just, I don't need the world to tell me what's important. So my, my phone and my phone like app and my messages are the only ones that have notifications. And if Brooke's trying to contact me or Pastor Lance is trying to contact me, that's pretty much all I care about because, you know, that's the only major things in my life. So I'm like, everything else, I'm like, it can wait a minute. Because if you're not careful, there's always something trying to compete for your attention. And you have to be the one who decides what an emergency is, what gets your attention. It's your life. So you have to say, Lord, I need to hear your voice. Is there something in the way? Maybe that's one of those practical things that you can do. I want to look at another story in 1 Kings 19. One of the heroes of our faith, Elijah, just comes out of this incredible story. Is this legacy building the whole book. And he comes out of this incredible story, this contest on Mount Carmel between the only true God and the false prophets of Baal. He calls down fire from heaven, soaks up the sacrifice that's soaking wet. He makes a fool out of all these false prophets, and then he kills all of them. The Old Testament is for real. It's interesting. So he comes off of this moment that's like a Super Bowl moment for a prophet. And then... Right after that, like you would think after that, nothing can touch him, right? God's been speaking. I'm clearly in the will of God. I know exactly what's up. I know who I am. I know what I'm called to. And then all of a sudden, this happens. In verse 1, Ahab, the king at the time, got home, and he told Jezebel everything Elijah had done. 
including the way he had killed the false prophets of Baal. So Jezebel sent this message to Elijah. Sent him an Instagram message. May the God strike me and even kill me if by this time tomorrow I have not killed you just as you killed them. Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. There he came to a cave and he spent the night that the Lord said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? That's verse nine. What's amazing about this story to me is Elijah is clearly in the will of God for this season. All of a sudden, this other voice for whatever reason, is louder in his head than the voice of God. This woman, Jezebel, causes him to run in fear. He knows who he is, or he had until this point, and all of a sudden, this other voice takes precedence over God's voice. How does that happen? I can tell you it has happened to so many of us. There might be today a Jezebel speaking to you that God is trying to speak and validate his calling and his purpose in your life, and you've got a Jezebel that is your past, it is something you did, it is something somebody else spoke over you years ago, and you choose to believe that thing over the validation of God. It's time to shut Jezebel up. But this man, this, this hero of the faith, he hears her and he runs, he chose to believe something that wasn't true. Even though she promised she was gonna kill him, she had, no, she had no power over him. He chose to believe that. A few years ago, um, I, I was called. I, I do photography and video occasionally on the side, and I had this, this um, organization at a college at Tulane University in New Orleans call me, and it was for this girls' event on the college. And they asked if I would do the video for this event. So I'm getting the details, and they're like, yeah, we're going to have John Madden is going to come, and we're going to interview him for this event and you're going to come and video we need someone to video would you be interested i'm like dude heck yeah john madden i was so excited about john like john madden had over a 75 percent win percentage when he was a coach he's a super bowl winning um coach and he's, he's he's on video games so like i mean he's like he's the real deal i'm like any guy who knows football knows who john madden is of course i want to shoot this event with john madden I'm excited, but like it's kind of a big event, so I need some help. So I get Brooke to come along, and she's looking through the details because I'm not really into the details too much. But she's looking through the details, and she's like, um, "This uh, John Madden event that you were talking about that we're going to be shooting next week, um, yeah, it's not John Madden that we're shooting. You know that, right?" And I'm like, "What do you mean?" She's like, "No, it's it's not John Madden. It's Steve Madden." And I'm like, "Who?" She's like, "The shoe guy, the guy who makes shoes." So we went and we shot this stupid event and this guy was like a straight up diva. I mean, not a man's man at all. And I'm shooting and I'm just like, this is the worst thing I've ever been a part of. And Brooke's like, I got to meet Steve Madden. And I'm just like, this is the worst thing. I wanted to hear John Madden. I wanted to shoot an event with John Madden. But the truth is that it was Steve Madden. Sometimes we want to hear what isn't true. And it's easy to fool us when we want something because sometimes we don't want the truth. And the enemy's listening and he's hearing your conversations and he's like, I'm just going to feed them what they're leaning towards, what they want, and I'm going to disguise it as God's will. And if you aren't careful and you aren't in tune and you got all this other noise, you won't be able to pick out the voice of God. That's why you reading the Bible is so important because whenever you hear something speak to your spirit or somebody else gives you a prophetic word, 
God absolutely speaks that way, but the devil does too. So you need to know what he sounds like. 1 Kings 19, 11. Keep going. He's in a cave hiding from this woman, and God wants to test him. He wants to remind him who he is. Not what he does, not just about his hand, but about his face. It says this in verse 11, God speaks to him, go out and stand before me on the mountain, the Lord told him. And as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by. And a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that rocks were torn loose, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And what's crazy about this is God was in the fire the day before. He was in the fire to burn up the... You can't look at yesterday and expect God to speak the same way. What's God trying to say today? That's what I want to know. After the fire, there was a sound of a gentle whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak because he recognized his voice. He went out and he stood at the entrance of the cave and the voice said, what are you doing here, Elijah? You know what's amazing about this? Is that God speaks to Elijah and I've always read this and I've just like, God didn't speak until the whisper, but God told him to come out of the cave and God told him, I'm gonna pass by. God had spoken already. So it wasn't that God wasn't speaking and it wasn't even that Elijah couldn't hear him. I think God is trying to tell Elijah and he's trying to tell all of us too, I don't always speak in the flash of light, in the big things. I desire intimacy with you. And I want you to hear me in a certain way. I don't want you to hear me in the easiest way. I want you to hear me in a certain way. I want you to hear me in intimacy. There's a difference between a bar environment and a candlelight environment. When you go to a bar, now when I say this, I grew up in the church, so I don't really have any idea what I'm talking about. I've seen it in movies. But apparently you go to a bar, you get a few drinks, you talk to someone, you know, you're checking them out and you're just trying to like, you know, be impressive or whatever. Whatever that leads to is not true intimacy. But a candlelight dinner and a cello in the background and all of I love a cello. All that there's something different about an intimate moment. What it leads to is I think what God is trying to say, listen, I'm not trying to speak louder than I'm not trying to get to you in that environment. Don't make me yell at you. I want to speak to you in the quiet. I want to have a sit down meal with you. I want to have an intimate encounter with you. Now, that's what God's trying to do with Elijah. I think Elijah was so used to the high of like the big stuff that he had forgotten that God wants to speak in his heart. And if we're not careful, we can look for God in that same way that we like. But if we, man, if Facebook has taught us anything, volume does not equal transformation. They allowed on Facebook and ain't a whole lot changing. God's not trying to compete with you, compete with all the noises. If you want to hear God's voice, you need to learn to quiet the other things down. The, the other night, Brooke and I were having a conversation in our living room, and the kids had gone to bed or they were downstairs, and uh, we're talking, we're having this like intimate conversation. We're loving this conversation. We're sitting on the couch talking to each other, and like I kind of noticed my voice was kind of loud as we're talking, but I'm like, ah, oh, they can't really hear. I mean, it sounds like, like, doesn't really sound that loud, even though I can tell I'm pushing my voice, you know? And then all of a sudden, she reaches over and she turns off the little heater 
that she had on the coffee table because she's always cold. So she turns off this little micro heater that she has. And when she turned it off, the, the silence was deafening. I could not believe how much noise that little heater was making. And then all of a sudden I'm like, they heard everything we said because I was talking so loud over this heater. God doesn't want to have to raise his voice over the stuff you won't shut off. He wants to speak to you in the intimate place. Here's the next thing. This is the last point that I'm going to give you and probably one of the best things that you can take away. Stop looking for God to overcome your distracted life. Just have a less distracted life. Have a less distracted life. It's, it's, it's so ironic to me that we want God to be louder and louder and louder when he just wants us to be quieter. But we don't like silence. See how awkward that is? I hate silence. I'm always the one, like, when it gets awkward, I'm like, hey, what about this? You know, I'm always trying to break the silence and make it fun and make sure everybody's having a good time. God's like, I like the silence because I can say things to you that you can't ignore. I could speak in that moment and you can't write it off as like, you know, some, some other thing. It was just that song or it was just that preacher or whatever. Like even those good things, he's like, I want to talk to you. I want to speak something fresh to you. I love this last verse I'm going to read. Luke 5, 15. Jesus is doing his ministry. He's in the perfect will of God. It says this in verse 15, that the report of his power spread even faster and vast crowds came to hear him preach and to be healed of their diseases. But look at this, this is so key. But Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. Being busy sometimes can feel productive, but even Jesus got away. And I think that we, we run into what Jesus ran into in this moment so often. And like sometimes we can confuse productivity with like, with like, hey, I'm doing something good for God. But with God, productivity is secondary to intimacy. God cares more about intimacy than he does about what you can do for him. And Jesus is doing this thing. He's in the will of God. He's accomplishing what he came for. But it says he often got away from all of that so that he can hear the Father again. It's so challenging to me because when I'm on a roll, I often don't step away to hear God again. And, and it's like, I'm doing something for you, God. You must be so proud of me. I'm making an impact. I'm changing the world. I'm raising my kids well. I'm doing well in my job. Whatever your story is, we can all get to that place where we're doing so much for God and we're being obedient that we don't stop to hear him again. And Jesus knew because he's all God, yes, but he's all man. And he knew that in his man form that he needed to be connected with the Father. I have nothing to give if I'm not with the Father. So he left legitimate needs to be with the Father. This is so crazy. This is why Jesus said, to his disciples, you're going to do more than I did because Jesus knew that in his earthly form in the limited time he had on this earth, he could not do it all. He wasn't going to. He could focus on a few things and it was going to be, what, did, what are you saying, Father? What are you saying right now? And it's funny, we live in this culture. We just talked about all the noise that we hear. And one of the crazy things about the noise that we hear, in our pocket, we have the weight of the world 
because we have news, 24-7 news, that can notify you, that can tell you all the bad things that are constantly happening. Do you know that bad news outpaces good news? 17 to 1. So when you open up that news app, whatever it is that you're looking at, you're like, man, there's so many bad things happening. There are not that many bad things happening. And there might be, but there is way more good things happening. But they don't make money on good things. They don't make money on good news. They're selling you a product. They're selling you fear so you can keep coming back. The, the humans, humans are made with a protective nature, protect themselves, protect the ones you love, protect your family. So there's been studies that have shown if there's a wide open field, a beautiful field with flowers in that field, it's gorgeous, the mountains are there, and you're there with your family and you're just looking at it, but in the distance you see a grizzly bear running towards you. What are you gonna do? What are you gonna see? You're gonna see the bear, right? Because you're made to notice the thing that could bring danger to you. So you're going to pull your kids together. You're going to pull your wife together. You're going to get your people together and protect them and guard them. And that's exactly what news is preying upon, your survival nature. So, so we live off of this, and we're like, we're opening up, and we're like, why am I always stressed? Why am I always fearful? Because you bought into the noise. You bought into to what? The, I sound like a conspiracy theorist. I've been in Montana way too long. But it's like... <laughs> I told somebody that, I was like, I was a conspiracy theorist, theorist, like waiting, like just ready to bloom. And when I moved to Montana, it was just like the perfect conditions. I'm a monster now. But in your pocket, you're going to get all this bad news. You're going to be like, I got to do something. What hashtag can I post to fix this? What thing can I, well, I got to say something about this to change the world. I got to, I feel responsible and the truth is, it's not that awareness is bad, but awareness doesn't feed bellies. Hashtags don't feed bellies. Whatever you're seeing, like if you, if you have a heart for social justice, do something. Like build a team and go do something about it. Join the Hope Is Here team and go, go fix something. Make something happen. But you can't like just let that sit on you and be like, there's so many things. There's so many things to do. There's so much fear in this world. I don't have time to hear from God because there's so much stuff to do. There's too much stuff for me to... You can just scroll and scroll and scroll until your finger's sore and never find a solution to the earth's pain because it's not your responsibility. Jesus takes the burden of the world on him. But there's a certain thing that you're called to. The will of God for your life and you're called to, you're called to fix some pain and you're called to bring some healing, but not all of it. So you got to learn to let Jesus carry what he can carry, and you carry what the Father tells you to carry in those moments of intimacy that you set aside with him. So I'm going to wrap up, and I want to give you an opportunity and challenge you with something. I want to challenge you to listen for the voice of God, and, and Pastor Lance will explain what that could look like this week in a minute, but I want to just in this moment give you a potentially awkward moment to hear from God. It's probably going to be out of the ordinary for you. It's definitely out of the ordinary for me. It's not easy for me to do this, but I want to just spend a couple of minutes with a nice pad playing in the background where you just listen, where you just listen for God because there might be something that he speaks to you that is in opposition to what you've thought 
to this morning. I don't want to miss what he wants to say. And, and obviously this has to go beyond just this moment, but I want to just, maybe we can set the stage and say to God in this moment, I want to be a listener. I want to be the kind of person who hears you, who's, who makes space for you to speak. So Jesus, that's what we want right now. I'm so grateful for your word. So grateful for this moment. I just pray that you spoke something. So right now in this moment, as we just create a little bit of space for you, I pray that you would maximize it. I know this often takes even more time than this, but I pray that you would do something supernaturally right now, like bait on a hook that would get us attracted to moments like this, that you would speak, that you would bring clarity where there's been cloudiness. So I don't know what you need to ask, God. I don't know what you've been listening for. It's, God may just say something as simple as, you are loved. I like you just like you are. He may say something like, that thing, you need to release it to me. You need to let go of that. I don't know what it is. I don't know what you need. He knows, but just listen. Just a couple of minutes. Let's just make some space and listen. silly, but by the time I'm done, no, I'm not asking for any, but thanks. By the time I'm done, I'm always parched because I've been talking. I've been communicating. And I feel like the Spirit of God is often like that water. The Bible makes reference to that as well. That sometimes when we're so busy and we're so loud and we're doing all the talking, we cannot be refilled it's going to lead to parchment. Sometimes you have to stop enough and be refilled with the fountain of life. So I'm just going to ask, is there anybody here today, and maybe 
Maybe you'll be bold enough without anybody bowing their head and closing their eyes. Maybe you'll be bold enough to say, I need to return to the fountain. I need to return to the Father. We always like to give an opportunity for people to come to Jesus. And maybe that's a decision that you make for the first time today that I recognize that I am lost without Jesus. I need new life in Christ. Maybe that's you today. Maybe your story though is like so many of us that we just get to a place where we're in a drought and we just need to return to God. And maybe your story is today, I need to return. I need to repent. I need to come back to the Lord. So if you're here today and you'd say, I need to give my life to Jesus. I need to surrender. I need to come back. He's inviting you. He's saying, come on back. There's nothing between us that I've put there. There's no obstacle. There's no, there's nothing you have to hurdle. The way has already been made. And his name is Jesus. So if you want to return to the Father today, could you just lift your hand? I see it. Thank you. Yeah, just lift your hand. Thank you. I see you. Thank you. If you're online today and this is your decision, I want you to just write real quick. Hey, I believe. We want to pray for you as well. I want to just take a moment and just pray just a simple prayer of repentance and just returning to the Lord. And could we just stand up together? We're going to go into a song, just worship, and kind of just sealing this moment together. Just a simple prayer of repentance. And let's all just pray to give those confidence that may need it. Say this, Lord Jesus, I know who you are. The Son of God, you came to this earth and you lived a sinner's, uh, you lived a perfect life, but you died a sinner's death. My death on the cross. So today I receive your gift, the gift of salvation, the gift of new life. And I choose to walk away from who I was and I want to follow you from this day on. Grab my hand and lead me. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us for this week's message from Hope Church. If you enjoyed this message, you can easily support the ministry of Hope Church at hopechurchmt.com give. Also follow us on social media at hopechurchmt. Be blessed and have a great week.